Hi, I'm Troy Richards. And I'm Daniel Mawson. Welcome to the Understanding Jesus podcast. I'm the senior pastor at First Baptist Church in Jackson, Missouri, and Daniel's our worship pastor. Our church is reading through the Bible in a year, and on this podcast, we examine highlights from this week's reading. We talk about the passages devotionally and try to answer questions people have shared with us. Our hope is that you'll discover how amazing God's Word is and how enjoyable it is to read for yourself, which is the key to understanding Jesus. Hello and welcome to the Understanding Jesus podcast. My name is Daniel and I'm here with Pastor Troy and I'm here with Josh. I'm back. Finally back joining us. Really excited. And Um, I'm never leaving uh, again. Yeah. And by that I mean I will be gone next week too. No. (laughs) Oh man. Oh, that's too bad. No, but Haley did a really good job in your stead. She did. She's also going to be gone next week. So she's unavailable. Awesome. Oh no. Well, um... Let's stop thinking about sad things. Pastor Troy, <laughs> what are we talking about today? We actually have, we're in the midst of some of the best, I don't say some of the best parts of the Bible there are, but it is really, it's mm-hmm. like, a, sometimes when you're reading through the Bible, you get segments in the Old Testament that are kind of draggy, but the New Testament kind of is good, and then vice versa. Uh, not that the New Testament drags in a lot of places, but um, <laughs> but in this section of the Bible, Going through First and Second Kings, going through the stories of Elijah and Elisha, and and then into um, all the things that are happening with the uh, the downfall of the kings and so forth, the uh, is amazing. And then in, in the Gospel of John, we are entering into some of. I mean, Jesus is having the most intimate discourse mm-hmm. with his disciples in all of Scripture. Yeah. And so this is the night before he dies, uh, and so he's sitting down and saying, basically, it's like if you were to sit down and say, with, you knew you were going to be leaving your friends and family the next day and you said these are the most important things i need to communicate to you before i go uh what would you say imagine you're jesus and doing that so he is sharing the uh, some of the, some of the most important passages we have in all scripture uh and uh, and that was in our reading this time and then we move into his arrest and uh, and on into the uh, pre-stages of crucifixion or into the crucifixion. So, um, and then of course the Psalms are powerful, and, and so we'll we'll look at that, and then some, and then some uh, obviously some great insights in Proverbs. So it was a great week of reading, and we're going to talk about uh, things that uh, came out to us when we come back. All right, we are back, ready to talk about the Bible as we as we so often do in this room. I've never done it. Never once. Well, recently. You've been you've been really sketch on the whole Bible thing, um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna start in First Kings. I should have had my Bible open already. Gracious, First uh, Kings, uh, twenty two thirteen through twenty eight, which says, and I quote, still stalling, turning there. Here it is, um, and and I won't actually read it all, but the basic idea is that there's this king in Israel, and he. Um, his, his name is Ahab, right? And he and Jehoshaphat, who is... How fat is he? Jehoshaphat. So these two kings are coming together, and there's this battle about to take place. As, Jump in Jehoshaphat. Jump in Jehoshaphat, as is, as is generally the case for these kings. And um, they're not fighting each other, though. They're fighting somebody else. And they've formed, like, a sketch alliance. And... Um, um, Jehoshaphat says, "Shouldn't we, uh, shouldn't we check with the prophet of the Lord before we, you know, waste people's lives?" Right. And 
Ahab says, yeah, we have one, but I don't like him because he doesn't talk about me very well. <laughs> and he's like, well, let's bring him anyway. So um, Mich- Micaiah is the prophet's name. And he comes in, and you just have this image that he is this like sad sack, kind of burnt out on life individual. And Ahab's like, Ahab says, uh, all right, prophesy, are we going to be successful in this battle? And uh, Micaiah says, yeah, absolutely. Lord says you're going to be, you're just fine. And Ahab says, didn't I I tell you, don't lie to me. He's like, how many times have I, I think his words are like, how many times have I told you um, to only tell me what God actually says? And it's like, it's like this beat down dog that he has. And uh, he's like, all right, well, let me tell you. And he goes in this whole, kind of convoluted story about the court of heaven um, that I'm going to gloss over for now. But um, but the king, so he finally tells the king the truth is that he's going to die in this battle. And um, the king gets mad at him and throws him in prison. <laughs> and um, so it's it's just this weird relationship that this, this prophet and Ahab have with each other, um, where Ahab gets mad at him if he doesn't tell him what God says. And then he gets mad at him when he does tell him what God says. Uh-huh. And so um, I, what I was thinking is just the, how the king of Israel found himself in the position that so many people find ourselves today. And like we want to hear the word of the Lord, but uh, we repeatedly get angry at what it says and mm-hmm. the messenger who brings the message most mm-hmm. of the time. you know. Yeah. Um, and so I just wrote down the question we have to ask ourselves is what message from God's word do we have trouble stomaching and putting into practice? Because, you know, people go to church, they want to hear a message from the Lord, right? They, you know, they talk to the pastor, they talk to, they open the Bible and they say, what's God have to say? And honestly, like nobody in that frame of mind would say that they want to have their ears tickled. Nobody thinks, oh, I just want to hear what I, you know, I I really want you to tell me what does God have to say? And then when it says, well, you should probably stop sinning or you should probably um, stop being so greedy with your money and resources and time. Uh, and then they're like, well, who are you to tell me? Right. And um, it's this interesting relationship. And we, we give Ahab, you know, Ahab was called a wicked king because this is how he treated God's word. And so as a believer, I think we probably could learn a lesson here in how we approach um, being instructed with what God says. Um, so anyway, that's that's just that was my that was my vibe from this story it's it, it's a very interesting story i really encourage you guys to this is this is a story that if you read the reading you have a question about it <laughs> yeah and you know it, it's uh, jehoshaphat is like why why is he even there there's so many things happening <laughs> as that unfolds you're like what okay it's like why are you hanging out with ahab and it's like and you see it, and you kind of get this casual like come on be more christian even though they're not christian yeah, uh-huh. obviously but uh you know, let's be more <laughs> let's be more godly you know like when you're hanging out with ungodly people and so forth and it's like and they don't want to pray before the meal or something you're like come on we need to, we need to don't be like that don't talk about god like that and so forth and you got and then Ahab's kind of going along with it. It's kind of like, yeah, yeah okay, yeah. all right, yeah, let's do the right thing right. here. <laughs> As if they all know this is the way it's supposed to be done, but but he doesn't want to be, you know, mm-hmm. let's let's you know 
like we should go to church this someday. Yeah. And you're like, nah, I don't really want to go to church. Oh, we need to go to church. Don't be like that. And they yeah. go to church, and then they, hey, I knew the preacher was going to talk to me. You know, I knew that's why I don't ever go to church because it's always going to say something that's going to convict me or whatever. It's just such a weird. It's just thing. so weird. It, it, <laughs> and Ahab perfectly represents nominal Christianity, but I think the the problem is is that Ahab is considered like one of the most wicked kings. Yeah. Like and and we don't like to think of ourselves. That's like, like that. the average no, Christian. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Huh. Yeah. yeah, somebody was asking me about the evil, uh, about are the presidents today like the evil kings of of the Old Testament, and I was like... Did you say presidents? The presidents, yeah. Of the, like the United uh, States? Like the current presidents, so oh. yeah, that, I know. And it was, uh, it was a question from a church member they had. And, um, and you know, I was thinking... We don't really understand. We don't really think about why they're called evil right. in in First and Second Kings. An evil king was simply someone who was idolatrous, mm-hmm. and anyone who was not doing uh, what God had instructed him to do was considered evil. And and so, yes, that would be true for us as well. Yeah, <laughs> evil is just us not doing what we have. Evil in our mind is you know Hitler, Mussolini, evil, uh-huh. and uh, really or evil. Moral, like yeah, human moral. Yeah, a moral, a moral evil. Yeah, correct. Then, but evil, which are evil things, part of being evil. But the true, or like doc, you know, like uh, is it Doctor Evil? Is that uh, can evil? <laughs> evil can evil. Uh, now the um, the but the evil, like the evil villains in movies and so mm-hmm. forth, we think of them as being these diabolical people. But the truth is, is that if anybody chooses to worship someone other than God, yeah. that's yeah. evil. So yeah, yeah anyway, good. Hmm. We swing to Josh. Yeah. Um, so I'm in John all today. Um, John, I th- think I said this a second ago, but I don't remember. But it's this passage between John 16 and then the whole chapter of John 17 is such a beautiful picture, like Troy was talking about in the intro, um, about who Jesus is. We see really <clears throat> incredible characteristics from him and what his character looked like. Um, we see his compassion and his heart. And that's kind of where um, it popped out to me today. Not today, but like in general. Um, and so John 16, um, verses 30 through 33 is where I'm starting with. And um, basically what's happening, Jesus is um, with his disciples and he's telling them, hey, um, I and the Father are one. This is who I am again. And he says it clearly. And the disciples say, well, yeah, now that you've said it clearly, we we believe that you have come from the Father. And then I'll read 31 through 33, and it says, Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming, indeed it has come, when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you, that in that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Um, and like I just said, there's just so much compassion, there's so much comfort um, and we see Jesus's character just shining here in this moment. We see um, really intense emotion and a very intense um, thing to follow, which I'll talk about here in a minute or so. But um, yeah, we see we see um, some interesting things. First of all, we see that he tells them, hey, you're going to be scattered soon. Um, and he also tells them that they will have tribulation. Um, but then look at what he says to encourage them. First of all, as any friend who says, hey, I'm going to leave um, he first he says, hey, listen, but I'm not going to be alone. And then he gives him even more encouragement. I'm going to, the father is with me. So that's some really good encouraging. Don't, don't be worried about me. I'm going to be fine. Like I'm going to be with the father, um, which is really awesome. He gives them that encouragement, but then he also tells them of this so that they can have peace. Um, so that when they are alone, when they are facing tribulation, that, that this is an opportunity for them to have peace. 
But then the really cool thing is that he tells them why they can have peace. And he tells them um, that he's going to take over the world and he has overcome the world. And then that's the reason that they can face tribulation. They can face the world. They can face this being scattered is because he has overcome all. Um, and so he's giving them this peace and telling that the reason that they have this peace is because of him, which I think is just really cool and very heartful and compassionate to show us um, his character of why he loves his followers so much. I hear always hear in that passage um, a, a kind of a scolding though, and I think it's um, I, maybe it's because I was abused as a child, but um, <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm, 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 ki- I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But uh, <laughs> the but I hear Jesus saying uh, when they say, "Oh, we get it. We now get it. We now believe." I hear him saying, "Oh, do you? Mm-hmm. Do you believe?" And it's like. Yeah, you're you're so quick to right. uh, say that you get it and you understand and so forth. He goes, but you're all getting ready to um, flee, yeah. run away, scared and so forth. And and he knows that. Right. And it is uh, and and I see myself in that so often that want to say, oh my goodness, I get it, I understand right. it. And now that I'm older, I I kind of know I do that, so it's not <laughs> no surprise to me. But when you when you see people walking in the same steps that you've walked in when you see your own children who are like i finally figured out the bible Mm -hmm. you know and you're like yeah right uh (laughs) i'm sure you get it you've mastered it i'm so glad you're (laughs) now the master disciple and you're gonna be so faithful because you know because you're because this is what we're all doing Mm -hmm. we're saying i think i i now think that i can handle any type of test that can be dished out Mm -hmm. and then god's like Okay, well let's let's give that a shot, shall right. we? Mm-hmm. And then and then the testing comes is like, oh man, I am such a horrible human being, <laughs> and uh, and and that's every time, every time, we, every time we get just a little moment or an ounce of self confidence <laughs> when we put when we start to think, I really think I'm gonna do better this time, right. and until we finally come to the place, it's like. I am never going to do better. I just, this is just completely about reliance upon Christ and reliance upon the Holy Spirit. And apart from Him, I'm. If He doesn't do it, I'm not going to be able to do it. Right. If He doesn't, if He doesn't save me, I can't save myself. So, and and just and and it, and it keeps us from because we we tell people not to put faith in us or confidence in us. We we we, we like it. We like for them to put confidence and faith in us. Yeah. Faith in us. We like to say, oh, you should think highly of me. And uh, and it's just a trap we all fall into, just like the disciples did. But but Jesus is, Jesus is affirm, like you said, Jesus is reaffirming to them. I I have no confidence in you whatsoever. <laughs> but the good news is, I have full confidence right, in right, me. Right. <laughs> and you can be confident that I will, mm-hmm. I'm going to take care of all of us. I'm gonna yeah. I'll get us where we're gonna go. Yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah, that that take heart. I was looking at the Greek of it. And it is a Greek. It says, be of good cheer. That's what it is talking about there and yeah. be comforted. And it's like, yeah, that's what I need to remember in those moments of being scattered or tribulation. Be of good cheer because he's overcome the world. Well, I am looking in Second Kings, and I'm like, Daniel, I'm not actually in Second Kings. I don't know why I didn't go ahead and turn there when <laughs> I had the opportunity. But it's Second uh, Kings, the very beginning of Second Kings. Beginning chapter. of Second Kings rocks, It is, by the way. It is awesome, yeah. So you have, um, it's really, a, a, we're making pretty quickly the transition from Elijah to Elisha. But uh, in this process... Um, uh, Ahab has died, uh, and you have um, a lot of of, of uh, 
Elijah pretty much pronounces death upon um, the king of Israel, and uh, and and so uh, they um, anyway. There's this discourse that the king is like, "Who told you? Who sent this information with you?" And they're like, "It's Elijah the Tishbite." And I just love that Tishbite uh, part. I want to be a. I would like to be a. I want to be a Tishbite. I want to. I think somebody called that to me as a derogatory. You Tishbite. But anyway, we. But so the king sends out these people. He sends out a captain with 50 men. And so they go out, and Elijah <laughs> consumes them all with fire, calls fire down from heaven, and consumes all 50. So he sends another 50. <laughs> Ditto. It's the exact same thing. Consumes them all with fire and so forth. And you got to love the third guy. <laughs> the third guy goes, he's bowing on his knees, going, please, 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 Mr. Prophet, man of God. <laughs> I've got a wife and kids. You know, we're all, we're all kind of terrified here. We know what you're going to do. I just, I've, you know, I'm kind of between a rock and a hard place here. i got to come. And uh, please, 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 please don't kill us. And uh, it's, it's, it's a pretty uh, potent thing. And Elijah spares him. Uh, and then goes with him because the Lord says uh, that he can do so. But the um, uh, but the thing that struck me with this, or uh, well, the thing that's neat about the Bible, is <laughs> in Revelation you have uh, the two witnesses, and in the two witnesses of Revelation it says that people try to take them, and when they try to take them, they breathe fire upon them and consume their enemies. And one of the neat things about the two witnesses and is that they each have, they both have traits of Moses and Elijah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have two prophets in the Old Testament who demonstrate these different powers and so forth. Moses bringing upon plagues upon the people of Egypt and so forth, and, and Elijah with the things that he's doing. And then we're told that two witnesses, now, which is multi, multiple uh, things going on. One is it requires two witnesses for something to ha- be valid. Mm. And so, uh, and then you have at the transfiguration, who are the two people that Jesus is talking Whoa. to, but Moses and Elijah. So you have already the groundwork being laid. Uh, so could it be that Moses and Elijah are the ones who come, are the two witnesses? And interesting, those are the two bodies, the two prominent bodies in scripture that it's like God has their bodies. Right. Right. Like Elijah yes. didn't die and Moses' body's unaccounted for. Yeah. Yeah, and, and yeah, God was the one who buried him. Yeah, himself, yeah, uh, and, uh, and so you have this this connection. The so you know, there's a lot of symbolism there. Mm-hmm. It e- so it's kind of an either either the two of them represent that uh, that they are that we are going to have the power of Moses and Elijah. You know, the pre- the witnesses in that time period and so forth. And the number two is just symbolic. It could be Moses and Elijah. It could be people like Moses and Elijah, similar to the way John the Baptist was compared to being the second Elijah mm-hmm. and so forth. But but I, but I think it's always neat how God has this yeah. underlying theme that connects all of it right. together um, oh. when we look at it. Yeah. That's, yeah. You guys yeah. know, that's my like favorite thing. So that was a new one for me. Yeah. Like, that Ooh. is so cool. Ooh. Anyway. Cool. Yeah, it's fun. It's super fun. Um, I'm also in Second Kings. Um, turn the pages to the right a little bit, and uh, you know you mentioned rock in a hard place, mm. and that was <laughs> was actually a, a, a phrase that fits really well with Naaman, Naaman, Naaman. However, um, he's got the double A, and my last name has the double A, and it's an ah, but I'm, my last name's not Hebrew, so neither is. Oh, there you go. There it is. Naaman is how most people pronounce it, but. Um, basically, this guy is coming to, I think, Elisha at this point, 
and he's, um, you know, his servant says, you know, if you just went to this prophet in Israel, he could probably heal you. So he goes, he gets healed ultimately, hmm. um, and he becomes a follower of the Lord. Great story, but he has a problem, is that he has a job, and his job <laughs> is that he has to. He's like the right hand man to the pagan king, right? And his this pagan king. Um, regularly, multiple times a day, bows before this other god, right? And so uh, Naaman has, it's his job to help the king and to physically himself bow before this other god. And so he has a problem. He can either go on the run, because if he leaves the king's service, you know, he's dead. Mm -hmm. So he can do that. Um, He can, um, there was, it's not like he can evangelize his boss in this kind of scenario, right? So he's, he really is, it's either instant death or he he like sins and because like what the the law of the lord is you you don't bow before other gods that's the 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 language of it that he's worried about so um so he asks elisha basically can you give me some ground from some dirt from israel that i can take home and worship your god on so it's just one of his practices but then he also asks for pardon in those moments when he has to bow with the king. Um, and and basically, in his mind, he's like, I don't want to commit, I don't want to offend your God when I have to bow before this other one. Um, but it's just it's just a situation I find myself in. And uh, Elisha grants it. And I think that's interesting. Um, and like, and I, I just put, I, I figure it's his heart towards obedience, mm. right? Um, because we we so often, we have, we have, we have, kind of a small amount of information about God, right? Mm-hmm. And what he wants. It's all, it's all in this Bible and it's not even necessarily exhaustive about God. We, we argue about things that he wants and what he meant by certain words. And, and ultimately it's just, we're just trying to be obedient really at the heart of it. We're, we're trying to understand, we've been trying to understand for thousands of years, what God wants us to do through his word. And, um, and it's interesting that, that the heart of Naaman is is to obey, but in his rock and a hard place situation, Elisha says, "You know, your heart is to obey." So there's going to be grace there, mm-hmm. you know. And not that we should ever just assume that God's grace will cover our blatant ignorant sin, but there are some situations where you just don't have a good option. You know, I, I think of I think of a lot of things like. Um, the the wife that's being abused by her husband in divorce, right? Like that's that's something that people try to Bible around, but it's neither situation's good. God doesn't like any of that. Um, so you you strive for the most obedience you can in a hard situation, right? And um, and it's that way with so many things. The Bible doesn't have every single you know situation that we're going to come across. I wish it did, but it just doesn't. And um, but, but I that's think being, the Holy Spirit too. That's why, yeah, I think that's that's why this is recorded for us is that we try for obedience, we do our best, uh, and um, assuming we are generally trying to obey the Lord, I think there's grace in yeah. a lot of situations. We would deal with that a lot when we work with people in um, from a Muslim background. Yeah. Um, because they the question is is do we do we stop going to um, like a mosque. the mosque? Mm-hmm. Uh, because if we don't go to the mosque, then we'll lose our jobs, we'll lose our place in the family, mm-hmm. and so forth. And it's like, can we still pray to God, even praying to through in the name of Jesus, mm-hmm. but in the mosque, mm-hmm. you know? And and uh, because it's more of a cultural thing. It and and 
and, and, every, and depends on who you ask, uh, yeah. the difference of response. But uh, those are things that, um, and this is, this may be a little bit of a reach, but I remember there was a prominent Christian singer uh, who was going through a divorce, and she um, was marrying some other singer or whatever, and and she had, she really did have a, a difficult life and a lot of things that were going on and so forth. It became this: uh, is it okay for me to get out of this very difficult situation just because it's so hard? Mm. And it, it, and a lot of people were like, you know, she did the wrong thing, and, and she probably did. Um, well, she did do the wrong thing, but it reminded me that we do that all the time. Yeah. We're all a lot of us are doing the wrong thing. The question is: is that is there does it discount us? Does it disqualify for us? us from the kingdom of God, right. is it possible for us? Is, is God understanding that? And, and you see that in this passage, uh, and not to read too much more into it, it's not that Elisha is giving him the okay. It's more like he's like, you know, <laughs> do the best you can. Yeah. You know, right. it just, it just at this point, it's, you're, you've got a difficult scenario. And but even early church Jews didn't yeah. start with their house churches. They only did that when they were kicked out of the temple. Right. You know, they went back to the temple. Right. And... Well, yeah. Nicodemus. I mean, you have Nicodemus, him hiding, you yeah. know, pretend, you know, and it's like, uh, you know, it's like, and the, uh, you know, did, when people were asked to um, about swearing allegiance to the Roman Republic, you know, and so forth, and and the struggle you have with that, and it's like, does God say you can't um, get into heaven as a result of that, or is it more just that here's here's the idea of what He wants you to do, mm-hmm. and here's what you did, yeah. and and then and understand that grace. Grace covers us all in that. You know, but. I think of that a lot with like Hollywood um, Christians, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. believers in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. They have a job to do, um, and they believe in Jesus, right? Yes. And and so what do you do in that scenario? Is there like a is there the holiest option? Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. Um, we could all quit our jobs just to pursue the way of Christ, but I don't see anybody doing that. Right. You know. Yeah. Um, so, so in the context that you are, maybe you're asked sometimes to do things that you wouldn't otherwise. Yeah. We're 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 not saying that the compromise is correct. Right. Right. We're right. just saying that people do compromise, and there's mm-hmm. grace. And there's grace. And praise yeah. the Lord, there's grace too. Yeah. And that there's no judgment from like from you to cast out on anybody else. That's something that always bugged me. Yeah. Around people's when someone who's high, you know, in the Christian music world, something happened and. This person was like, well, I wish their theology was better. <laughs> yeah. I was fuming. <laughs> I was very angry, you know, because it's like, where's the grace for them? Like, yeah. they messed up. And they're, just, up, and they're just you know? a singer, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, they're just a singer. <laughs> yeah. Literally yeah, a musician. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I'm um, in John 17 next. I'm not necessarily going to pick a certain part of it. I'm just, this, this scripture, John 17, this chapter of the Bible I have turned back to so many times when I when I'm dis, when I've distanced myself from the Lord, you know, and it's all on me, and I'm like, God doesn't love me, you know, <laughs> and I have those thoughts because right here we see Jesus doing what Jesus does incredibly. It's Him interceding, Him praying, Him loving, Him caring for His for His flock, for His people, um, and so. You know, it is seriously one of my favorite parts of the Bible because we see Jesus's like 
raw heart right here talking to his followers. And so, um, yeah, I'm just going to read a, a few verses out of it. But um, so basically what's happening here is we he just said to them, take heart. You know, um, I've overcome the world. And then he begins to pray um, and he um, starts praying these things. And we get to verse nine and ten. He says, I'm praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me. For they are yours, all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And so we realize right here, he's not talking about everybody, but he's talking about his followers. Like he's talking about the ones who have trusted him and placed their faith in them. And that's incredible. Um, and he's saying, he's talking to God, all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And so that's really an awesome part there. But then you keep going on, and you get to verse 12 through um, and you see, you see God just, just praying for him, for them, Jesus praying for them. Um, and he says, they're not of the world, just as I'm not of the world, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth as you sent me in the world. So I have sent them. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they may also be sanctified in truth. And this next part is so, so incredible. Verse 20 says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. So he's praying for the followers who are not following him yet. They're mm. he's praying for the ones that, that Jesus is or that um, his disciples are going to share with us. And yeah, yeah it's us. And yeah. that is so incredible. So it's incredible. We hear um, Jesus's heart for his followers. We hear his plea for protection over his followers because he says, hey, I don't want you to, he's talking to God, I don't want you to take them out of the world, but keep them from the evil one here. And so he's praying for our protection. And then we hear him intercede for us um, for his own. And that's what Jesus does now still. Like he's interceding, he's praying for, and he's talking to God about his people. And his prayer is just filled with so much compassion and tenderness and care and just raw love. Like he just loves his, his people so much. Uh, and they're, I don't know, it is just incredible. And it's incredible to see this side of Jesus. Cause a lot of times when we're reading the Bible, we see these, you know, big moments of him, you know, um, we don't hear the compassion behind it. We just see him, Oh, I'm going to feed these people because they're, you know, hungry, you know, that kind of stuff, right. but there's so much more heart behind it. And right here where we get to see his heart where he's loving and he's um, talking about his compassion and how much he cares for his people. And it is absolutely incredible every single time I read it. Hmm. You know, in that, in that same chapter where he says, this is eternal life that they may mm -hmm. know you, mm -hmm. the only true God and the one you have sent Jesus Christ yeah. and how we get in our head. We talk so often about how, uh, we are looking for a destination. Yeah. And I think that people are, when we, we share the gospel and we talk about the gospel, so often we have this predisposition of, and presuppositions about what we are thinking that we're talking about. So we're, we, we hear it and we're thinking, Oh, this is what I need to do mm -hmm. in order to get to this place. Right. But Jesus is clearly saying, I'm not trying to tell you how to get to a place. Mm -hmm. He said, this is what eternal life is. Yeah. Eternal life is being with the Father right. and, and wherever we are. It's like the Garden of Eden was not, it wasn't the Garden of Eden that made it special. Yeah. You know, it's like, wish we could find the Garden of Eden. It's not, you can't no, find the Garden right. of Eden. It was a place where God dwelt with man. It's where they walked together and talked together. It wasn't just the beauty of the garden itself. It was the fact that it was a place where man had fellowship. And that fellowship was sealed off. It was like, right. now there is no, there's an angel put there and they're not allowed to go back into that fellowship. Now, did everything go smoothly as far as 
growing. They didn't have to, you know, raise crops or whatever to or work hard for it anyway. But yeah, it's it is better. I mean, as far as the life we're living in and so forth. But it is not about, um, and it's not about us getting um, getting to a place where we can then live life apart from God. We're actually trying to find a place where we are connected to God. So when mm-hmm. so when we're talking about um, us, Jesus and his followers having this, uh, when we get together with Christ and have this relationship with him, it's about us overseeing the universe which he's created yeah. and us being everywhere. Right. And, and, and that's the, to me, that's the exciting part about mm-hmm. it. It's not that I'm going to a place. It's that yeah. wherever we are, we are in the presence of Christ and and in, and in the in the company of other people who are also in the presence of Christ, interacting with people who have that same spirit of Christ uh, in whatever we're doing. And so every scenario now, and every place we are, and everywhere we go is filled with that eternity. Yeah. And 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 so we it's hard to of course we can't fathom it because we we think in terms of time and space. But mm-hmm. um, but the idea is. We don't worry. I mean, you think about the things Jesus was saying that gave us context clues. It's like you don't have to worry about food anymore. Right. You don't have to worry about clothing anymore. And so take those, just take those two things right. away from us. It's like, well, what do we do? If we're not worried yeah. about food, if we're not thinking about where we're going to eat. Right. And we're not thinking about what we're going to wear. That's 99% of my life. Right. Uh, so, <laughs> they, uh, so it's like those things are provided. Mm-hmm. Well, now we all of a sudden we're living life in, in relationship to God in the way he meant for us to uh meant for us to be yeah when you were talking about that i just flashing headlights of hey john 1 4 you know in Mm -hmm. him was life and the life was the light of men like that's what he's talking about not in that place there's life but in him was life and that's true to this day and will forever be true so yeah and i guess the the third element is that we never die and so you take away food clothing oh yeah there's that and and (laughs) yeah we never worry about getting sick or dying or whatever yeah cool um one last thing for me uh, from John 18, it's in verses um, in 10. Uh, it says, Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus, which I just think is just the coolest piece of information. <laughs> oh, oh, Malchus, got his hair ear cut off. Oh, uh, at that, Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword away. Am I not to drink the cup the Father has given me? Then the company of soldiers, the commander, and the Jewish officials arrested Jesus and tied him up. First, they led him to Annas, since he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year. Caiaphas was the one who had advised the Jews that it would be better for one man to die uh, for the people. Um, And so Simon Peter was following Jesus, as was another disciple, who would be John. Uh, That disciple Mm -hmm. was an acquaintance of the high priest, so he went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard. But Peter remained standing outside by the door, so the other disciple, the one known to the high priest, went out and spoke to the girl who was the doorkeeper and brought Peter in. Now, this is a, these little details are, are something that I think they get lost in this story sometimes because here Peter uh, is uh, – Jesus has told them that they could take swords with them to the garden. Okay, He's already told them this. So in Peter's mind, if you can imagine this ramped up, he's made this bold statement, I will not let them take you. I will not let you die. So he is amped up. I am going to defend you to the death. And I always think of this because I always remember when I was a kid and I thought if I had a time machine, I was able to go back in time, I would have kept them from crucifying Jesus. I would have taken mm-hmm. an Uzi back with me and just mowed down all those. And so oh and goodness. so that mindset, though, <laughs> is exactly the mindset that Peter had. If right. you think you would 
do what you could do to keep it. Peter was like, I'm not going to let them take right. him. I will, you know, I'm going to fight and defend him to the death. And the moment they start to come, that's exactly what he does. Right. Everybody gets in their head that Peter uh, betrays, denies him or whatever, but that's not what happened. At first, he's, he's guns blazing, you know, if he didn't have a gun, but he's guns, he pulls out the sword, he cuts off this guy's ear, and then Jesus rebukes him. And so it's like, what are you doing? Right. You know, it's like, I told you I would defend you. You told me I wouldn't, and here I am, I'm doing it, I'm showing you. And then Jesus rebukes him, and then Peter's like, what are you doing? And then then Jesus undoes the damage that Peter did, right. heals the guy. It's like he's taking the side of the one who uh, defends him. It reminds me of this moment with Joab and David, where David's like, where Joab's like looking at David going, whose side are you on? You know, it's like, what, we do all this for you and you mourn and weep and, and act like, you know, because Absalom's dead or whatever, we killed your enemy, you know, and, and, and they can't understand the heart of David for his son Absalom. They can't understand what's going on. And, and so, and this is what Peter can't understand what's happening. It's all so confusing to him. And so now Jesus is tied up. And so you can imagine what's running through his head is, so, what do we do now? You know, now we're walking and we're going and, and they get to the te- the Caiaphas house. John has connections. He knows people. So he gets to go in. Peter is not even allowed to go in. He's from Galilee. So he's some outsider who is, uh, who were, they were prejudiced against and so forth. This was the whole reason they were following Jesus. The whole reason they were excited about him is because you have these, this group of guys who are nothing in Jerusalem and look down upon and he's like, this is our time to show them that people from the south are, I mean, I'm sorry, people from Galilee, <laughs> a, little <laughs> bit of, a little bit of my childhood coming up there, <laughs> that we are some, that we are important, that we are somebody. You know, it, it is. It's like a kid from the south going yeah. to New York City or a kid from the south going to Washington, D.C., you know, and everybody who's looked down upon you and nothing good's going to come from there and you're just a redneck hillbilly or whatever. And this is our moment. And so he, so, and now he's, he doesn't even get in. He has to have mm-hmm. his friend let him in. And the girl who is there recognizes his accent. And it's like, wait a second, you're one of those Galilee people. And and you can just feel it. Now Peter's unraveling. He's like, This is what am I doing? You know, what this is not the way this is supposed to work. This is not the way this is supposed to happen. And and it's like, you know what, I don't I no, I'm not a part of this. I'm not I don't want any of it. I, I don't you don't know what you're talking about. And so forth. And so he, his plan didn't work. His his idea was, and it, right. and it makes me think of all the times when I had a set way that it was supposed to go. Mm-hmm. That it was like I will be faithful to God as long as it happens in this way. Right. And when it doesn't happen that way, then it's like you know what? Forget this whole thing. I don't even know why I'm doing. It. I I've seen people leave the ministry over yeah. this. I've seen people like you know I went I tried, I gave it an effort. My church. First church collapsed. It was awful. Second church, awful. And then third church, you know, I was like, forget it. I'm just not doing this anymore. I'm going to go sell cars. I'm going to do something else. And <laughs> the reason is, is because it's like, it just doesn't, it's that God is not doing it the way we think right. it needs to be done. And so we just lose faith. We lose complete faith, which is what he predicted in the first place with Peter. And really for us as well, it is, it is, are we willing to follow Jesus knowing that it results in our own demise, knowing that it results in our own humiliation, mm-hmm. knowing that it results in us not getting anywhere that we want to go. And uh, and that's what he's always 
he's always testing that. He's always checking to see. I thought, I'm sorry, I thought you wanted to follow me. Right. You know, I thought you wanted to go where I was going and do what I'm doing. I didn't realize you had your own thing, uh, you know, and so forth. And that's, it's such a, and that's why it's so tough. And I know that uh, it nearly broke me in ministry because it didn't go the way I wanted it to go. It didn't happen the way I wanted it to happen. Uh, and that's, and eventually God gets you alone. He's like, all right, here it is. You know, I, it's not going to. If you think this is bad, it's not going to get better. <laughs> it's just going to get it's going to get more difficult. You're going to get more humiliated. You're going to have you're going to you when I say you're going to lose your life, you are going to lose your life and you just have to trust that I have a better one for you. And uh, and it and that's why a lot of people desert abandon Jesus. Right. Um, in the end, Peter would have abandoned him totally except he had nowhere else to go. He had nothing else to do. I, you know, he goes back to fishing. And uh, that's why the last chapter of the gospel is is so compelling. And uh, of course, it's next week's reading, but I'll just give you a, like a preview of coming mm-hmm. attractions here. But Peter goes back to fishing. He just goes back to work. He's like, I, you know, I've, I've I tried, I failed miserably, and now I'm humiliated. I've you know I got nothing, so I'm just gonna go back to work and do what I was doing normally. And Jesus comes back to him and says, Hey, you know what we started? If you want to finish, I want to, I want to, I want you to finish with me, yeah. you know, and uh, and basically invites Peter back to finish what he started, and uh, it's a beautiful moment of restoration. But it, it is it is something that just echoes to us. It's not Jesus never gave up on Peter. He knew what Peter was going to do, and he never gave up on him. He knew what he was, he knew what was going to happen, and he still um, because it's not the work that Peter started. It was the work that Jesus started mm-hmm. in Peter that Jesus was seeing yeah. to completion. And the same is true for us. I think that's really cool um, is that the more that I get frustrated with things that don't go my way and then I get to reflect on how that didn't go my way and it was a lot better <clears throat> is that like you can look at those moments and be like, wow, this really takes the pressure off of me because I don't have to do anything. Like I have to be faithful, which is doing something, but it's like, I don't have to plan for this thing to go right. I don't have to plan for this thing to go right. It just takes pressure off of you. And, and God is just like, hey, I'm doing it mm. and I've done it. And so just be faithful to what I ask you to do. Yeah. And you don't have to plan, you know, 20 years out every step that you're going to take because it's my plan and you just get to follow me at, at what I'm saying. And it's really cool. It's a tough thing, though, when you yeah. go to somebody and you say, well, do you want to follow Jesus? And and, and somebody, especially with the personality of Peter, Jesus is really looking at him going, do you want to follow me if you have to just mm-hmm. simply roll over and die? Right. You know, and not fight. And and at first, Peter was you could just you can hear it and or see it in his actions. And as you read through it, that he's like. I'm not. I'm not gonna die like this. Yeah. This is not how I'm going out. I'm. I'm a fighter. Right. You know. And if we're not, you know, we're, Judas was struggling with the same thing. Yeah. A zealot. You know. And that. And that's what was characteristic of the people around Galilee. They were very zealous people, very passionate, and and you see that in our world today. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the reason why people are rising up and and yeah. are like, we're not just going to roll over and let all this happen. We're going to we need to fight this. We need I hear people say that in the church. We need to fight this. And you're like, only if Jesus tells us to. Right. We don't get to choose, pick and choose our battles. We we just do what we we are called to be obedient. Mm-hmm. And if it means um, letting somebody else come in and do whatever, then that's what we do. Right. Yeah. Cool. Cool, cool. 
Well, should we break for questions? We should. Let's take a break. Hey everybody, it's our question section. Woo! Uh, I've never done one of those. Nice so. intro, Josh. Thank you. That was good. <laughs> Ooh, you just took it. Took it. <laughs> Threw um, your curveball there. Yeah, you just pointed at me and I had to go. Anyway, <laughs> so I have a few questions and then Daniel has a question. Um, but the first one I have is in Proverbs 18, verse 5. Okay. And it says, It is not good to be partial to the wicked or to deprive the righteous of justice. Okay. I, I, say your, I say your greatest question is in your translation because Ooh, yeah. uh, because the, the translation in uh, the CSB is, it is not good to show partiality to the guilty denying an innocent person justice. Wow. So that does, that, is, does that change, the, change a little easier. bit? Yeah. But because because you, the idea is, yeah. is that you do not – it comes from um, Leviticus in the law. It, uh, God points out that you never want to show partiality to the wicked because then – it creates a system of injustice. Wow. And so you, huh. so when you are partial to people who have done bad things, then you deny the orphans, the widows, the those who don't have a voice, children, uh, the oppressed. You deny them their ability fatherless. to receive justice. Wow. The fatherless, thank you. Yeah. 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 That turns so. a lot of things on its head for our world. Just that. Absolutely, yeah. Like 18.5 yeah. alone. Yeah. That's really crazy. Yeah. Huh. So, yes. That's very insightful. Good. <laughs> Yeah, I, I didn't write nice. it, but that's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> funny. Um, okay, so my second question is: I don't know if you guys had covered this in past podcasts, um, but I know that the first time I was reading through First and Second Kings, mm. I and even pre-reading it and just hearing about it, I didn't know what it was about. And so, what is it about, and how much time in Israel does it cover? Because yeah. I always think about that the way our Bible is organized that it's you know, that's how much time it's covered, and it's written chronologically here, yeah. but I know that it's not. And so what, what's it about, and how well, long Well, First and Second Kings is like First and Second Samuel. It's just really one book. It's the Kings. And so it, it's division, uh, which we went... Actually, we covered the division this week. We go from uh, right in the stream of Elijah coming to the death of Ahab is where it's it's uh, it's cut in half, where basically you start the ministry of Elisha and Second Kings, but that's an arbitrary choice there to, to uh, put it there. The... Um, the it covers about 400 years uh, of time. Uh, so it's and the dates it's like 1040 BC to 640 BC somewhere in there, but um, basically 1100 to 700. You know if you want to think about it like that. The um, but the time frame is uh, from David all the way through uh, the post exile or the exile of the where the 70 years of their judgment is covered there. The uh, and then we have 400 years of silence. Uh, before from between Malachi and John the Baptist comes on the scene, um, the uh, the fall of you've got two different things that are happening because you have the division of the um, the kingdom in with Solomon uh, where you is divided up. Son Rehoboam is sinful, and so then you have Jeroboam and Rehoboam and so forth. And so this is this is kind of how First uh, and Second Kings is really telling that story. The from from the United Kingdom of Solomon and then the division and then how all that plays out and, and it kind of goes back and forth. That's why you'll when you're reading it, it'll say during the reign of this king of Israel, uh, then this king of Judah was transition happened, and then 
It'll do every transition until it gets to where uh, the king of Israel changes, and then it'll say during the reign of this king of Judah, hmm. this king of Israel changed. But really, if it, it's called kings, but if you think about it, it actually has a lot to do with the prophets. It has a lot to do with um, a story of... There are a lot of players and characters involved mm -hmm. in everything that's unfolding and how the kingdom is transitioning. But it's really just about a king, and which is the king, which is God. It's really just how God is actually the king over Israel and, and how people either are with him or not with him. It is showing how... Uh, you have a nation that was said, was told, um, if you follow me, if you do what I want. So you really take kings, when you think of kings, you have to think of it, um, I, I, let me just throw this in, because First and Second Chronicles is a, what, what we call post-exilic books, meaning they come really after the exile. So you start with Joshua, you got Joshua, Judges, uh, and then First and Second Samuel, uh, of course, Ruth is in there, but the first and second mm -hmm. Samuel and Kings, all of everything you go from Joshua all the way through Second Kings is one fluid story, and so it's it's going from Joshua brings the people into the promised land. God offers there's a covenant that's established, promises are made, and now we begin to see how all that begins to fall apart on the part of the people, and that God is true to His word. He does exactly what He says. That they are then taken into exile. Most likely it was written when they were in exile or being taken into exile because that was the word that the people needed at the time. How? Because that would be the question. Why is this happening? Why, why, why is the world following apart, falling apart? And so the, the narrator in Kings keeps saying, uh, this was the promise. That's why. That's when we talked about evil kings. Mm -hmm. That's what he's saying. Look, they did that, and he and he draws the connection. If you read the story of the narrator, he, uh, the person who's narrating kings, uh, he's saying, uh, this king did this wrong. This king did the the kings of Israel never followed God, right. which is why they were the first to go into captivity. And the moment the kings of Judah started falling away, you know, and you have Manasseh who comes on the scene and is this horrible king and follows after all this paganism and so forth, really falls the way of Ahab, uh, then then Judah, you know, is on the way out. Mm -hmm. And so even though there was a, a brief moment of spark with Josiah and so forth, but the, uh, but, the, but the reality was is that the people were too far gone and they had rejected God. And so then judgment came upon them. So, so the answer would be if you said why... Uh, why is this all this happening to us? It's like because you broke all the covenants. God right. promised you that you he would maintain you and keep you safe back with Joshua, uh, but you now are becoming like the people that you displaced, and so I I have to uh, take you captive and so forth. So, cool. Yeah. So, cool. anyway. Daniel? Cool, yeah. I just have I have a question. It's it's less Bible-y, but, you know, reading... It's less Bible. When when Peter cuts the ear off of the Roman Malchus, um, Malchus as as we will call him because that's his name, uh, I don't like that. When a Jew strikes a Roman, <laughs> the Jew's just dead. I mean, that's yeah. it, that's if he throws a punch or, or looks at him funny. Mm -hmm. So the way we're reading this is that Peter cuts an ear off of a Roman soldier. Jesus heals the ear. The Roman soldiers take Jesus to the temple and Peter's also like he's free and he's like hanging outside like in proximity of these same guys. Right. So like what's where's the why? 
<laughs> well, first of all, they're not Roman soldiers. Ah. They're the temple guard. Temple guard. And so they're Jews. That changes so they, much. So Yeah, it does <laughs> change much. And, when, and so you notice when they actually are encountering Jesus, they're terrified. Uh, that's why when Jesus, when they say, uh, you can you can see it in the language where it's like they come upon Jesus and they're like, we're look, who are you? Look? Jesus comes out to them. He he comes to them, mm-hmm. and he comes out to them. And they're like, who are you looking for? And he said, and they say, Jesus of Nazareth. And when he says, I am, they fall back. And uh, and and you can almost see it. You have know, always tried to picture that in my mind, whether it was this. I get that kind of Lord of the Rings moment, you know, at the beginning mm-hmm. of Lord of the Rings, where he comes out and. then Pounds down and, is, yeah. and blows everybody backwards or whatever. Um, not probably how this transpired, <laughs> but it is one of the. But but the picture that John's trying to give us is these people have heard some pretty crazy things about this guy raises yeah. people from the dead, and so these are not these are not Romans who are disconnected from this talk. These are people who are in the temple yeah. and who have been sharing these stories. Can you imagine trying to raise? That's why they're take, coming out with so many people. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like this guy raises people from the dead. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, What's so when happen? he says, so they're yeah. like, uh, we're going so, up against and this. He, and then he comes out with authority. Like, what do you want? Who are you looking for? And he's, and they're like, uh, <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> we're looking for Jesus. Of Nazareth. <laughs> they're not like, we're looking for you, bud. You know, right. Right, that kind of thing. it was a really for Jesus. And when he says, I am, you know, yeah. and it's like, even the language of using the name of God in, right. that, in that respect, uh, freaks them out, right. you know, and then it's like, and so then they regroup, regather themselves, and he's like, all right, let's do this again. And then in that discourse, you have, of course, Jesus uh, healing Malchus and so forth, which also, also, would that not throw you off your game right. just a little mm-hmm. bit? You know, you have this Why injury, he goes over, he mm-hmm. heals him, you know, to show this power that he has, so they're, now they're all even more scared of him, more timid about him, uh, and he is... Which is, again, throwing the disciples off, throwing everybody else. And basically, Jesus is, the way the story is unfolding is that Jesus is basically saying, take me, not them. Mm-hmm. So he's basically just saying, let them off the hook, and you've got me. And, no harm, and no I, foul. I think at this point, they're happy with that agreement. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, so, they, so he willingly then gives himself to them to go. Cool. Cool, cool. Yeah, when the Romans come on the scene later, you can see that it changes. There's fewer of them around. Well, there's no... No respect for Jesus whatsoever. Mm. No fear of him. Mm. I mean, they mock him, beat him, Pull his beard. Uh, put the put the purple cloak on him or whatever, which is really probably a blanket off of a horse, and and uh, and put the crown of thorns on his head and so forth, uh, which shows that they have no no respect, no no uh, reverence for him whatsoever until uh, the centurion. Yeah. When G, when he sees mm-hmm. what's happening, then that's why that moment is so powerful. Yeah. He's like, well, truly, this was the Son of God. Cool. All right. Wonderful. Well, thank you for joining us on this week's podcast, and we will look forward to seeing y'all next week. Thanks again for listening to the Understanding Jesus podcast. If you would like more information on Understanding Jesus or First Baptist Church of Jackson, or would just like to submit a question or comment, then you can call the church office at 573-243-8415, or you can email us at office at fbcj.us. Thanks so much. We'll see you soon.